0: Journey into space. The BBC presents Jet Morgan in Operation Luna. Morgan, Steve Mitchell, Doc Matthews, and Lemmy Barnett are on their way to the moon. Shortly after takeoff, they lost contact with Earth and didn't regain it for 27 hours. Then, nearly two days later, a small meteor struck the ship and Jet Morgan, after putting on his spacesuit, went out through the airlock to inspect the damage. Fortunately, it was slight, but Jet was so awed by the sight of the universe around him that he asked Mitch and Lemmy to join him. Lemmy, impressed by the novelty of being able to walk right around the ship's exterior, wandered to the other side and out of sight of his companions. And then, strange sounds were heard over his radio. Immediately, Lemmy began to call to Jet and Mitch, but they didn't hear him. Then, as something like near panic took hold of Lemmy, Jet! Jet! the sound stopped, and Jet heard him. The three men then returned to the ship's cabin.
1: What's happening to him, Mitch? What do you think's happening to him? I told you, he's unstable. A psychological misfit. Oh, you're not going to bring that up again. If Lemmy says he heard a strange noise, he heard it. Then why didn't I hear it? Why didn't you or Doc? Doc wasn't outside. How could he? Well, he was listening to us, wasn't he, on the ship's receiver? That and our personal radios all work on identical frequencies. If there'd been anything to hear, at least one of us would have heard it. He must have imagined it. Be careful what you're implying, Mitch. What other explanation is there? Anything could happen out here, anything. Radios could play tricks. The ships, Lemmy's, anybody's. Maybe there's some kind of radio wave we know nothing about that can only be heard out here in space. Ah,
0: piffle. All right, now break it up, you two. Lemmy's upset enough without you discussing him like he was a mental case. Trouble with this ship, is room's so limited you can hardly keep your thoughts to yourself.
1: Next time I'll build separate cabins. Tourists second and first class. No need to be flippant, Mitch. What do you think about this, dog?
0: I don't know what to think. At first, I was inclined to agree with Mitch. Say, Lemmy's imagining things. And who could blame a man for that out here? But <sighs> Lemmy's not that type. Besides, he says the sound was the same as we all heard just before we contacted base, remember? Atmospherics. What, on this equipment? It wasn't atmospherics, Mitch. That radio picked up something, no doubt about that. You if... mean it might have been transmitted?
1: Could have been. He'll be saying it came from the moon next... Well, why not? There's no life on the moon. How do you know? Have you been there? Oh, for heaven's sake, Jet, what's got into you? Any elementary textbook on astronomy will prove there's no life on the moon. Will it also tell you what lies on the other side of the moon? Well, of course not. No man has ever seen it. But how can it be any different from this side? It must be much the same. But you can't prove it, Mitch. And you can't explain the behavior of the radio. Being out of action for so long, then picking up those weird sounds just before control came through. Are you two trying to say that there's life, civilizations maybe, on other planets? We're not saying there is or there
0: isn't. But you can't rule out the possibility.
1: I can. I'll believe it when and if I see it. Until then, I'll be guided by the known facts. That life on any planet other than
0: Earth is most unlikely. Why should the Earth be singled out? Why should such a, an infinitesimally small part of the universe be unique? For the same reason that you are unique. You,
1: everything about you, is a lucky combination of circumstances.
0: I can't agree.
1: Whether you agree or not is beside the point. But the question in hand at the moment is Lemmy. I can hear you. Well, for a start, we'll have to make a rule that he doesn't go outside the ship again. Well, there'll be no need for anyone to go outside again. The chances of another meteor hitting us are a million to one against. I don't mean while we're still coasting. I mean from now on, even after we've touched down on the moon... You, you mean you'd let him go all that way and then deny him the right even to step outside? Yes. Unless I can be 100% sure we won't get a repeat performance of what happened half an hour ago. I
0: won't do it to him. Neither will I.
1: But I tell you, Lemmy's unstable. I can
2: still hear you.
1: Look, Mitch, you're being unreasonable. More than unreasonable.
0: I just want to be sure that nothing wrecks this project. That's more important to you than anything. Or anyone, isn't it? You're darn right it is.
1: Sorry, Mitch, but Lemmy carries on as was arranged. What happened outside is going to make no difference. All right. I consider myself overruled. If I listen to you too much longer, I'll think you've all gone crazy.
0: 22nd October, 1965. It is now three Earth days, seven hours and six minutes since takeoff. The ship has now settled down to a regular routine. Lemmy seems to have fully recovered from whatever it was that scared him outside the ship, and now nobody even mentions it, though it's obviously preying on the minds of us all. Radio contact with Earth is clear and suffers from no interruption. There isn't much to do now. Every man takes his watch. Lemmy plays his mouth organ. Mitch studies his tables. Jet reads his book. And I keep this diary. Our speed is now very slow, not more than 50 miles an hour and dropping every second. Soon the most exciting, the most dangerous part of our journey will be on us.
1: Lemmy. Yes, Jet? Stop that racket and listen, will you? Yes, Jet. Now, everybody listen. We've now passed neutral gravitational point. The Earth no longer affects us. The moon has taken over and is pulling us down towards its surface. It's only 23,000 miles away now, and okay. the time has come to turn the ship over. Uh, switch on the stern televiewer, Lemmy. Televiewer, stern view, on. Stand by. Okay, Mitch. Okay, Jet. Dog? Yeah, okay. Lemmy? Okay. Number one, gyro. Number one, Contact. The screen, Lemmy. Nothing
2: happening yet. Oh, oh, yes, now it is. One degree, two degrees, three degrees, four degrees. Any sign yet, Lemmy? Not yet. Oh, yes, yes, absolute. Limb of the moon, now visible. Getting bigger. Lemmy, the mountains and craters are as clear as anything. Well,
1: never mind that, keep your mind on the job.
2: Plus one, 1. 1.5.
1: Stand plus by, Doc. Two, yeah, whenever you like. 3.
2: 3.5. Plus, three, three plus 4.
1: Number one gyro's point cut. Five,
2: plus 5. 5.5. Five, plus 6. We're going to turn too far. Five.
1: Stand by for counteraction. Plus seven, Number seven two gyro.
2: Ready. Plus 8. 8.5. Plus
1: 9. 9.5. Plus 10. Number two, contact.
2: 10.5. Plus 11.
1: Stabilizer, Seven stand by. Five. Standing by. Stabilizer, now. 10.5. 10. Dead on. Number two gyro, cut. Steady, she goes. Okay, that's it. Now leave the stabilizer on for a while, let's be sure. Still steady, on course. Cut it. Now, Doc. We're okay. Well, that's that. Easier than I thought. Lemmy, call up base. Tell them the ship has been turned over and that we're now falling towards the moon. now, Jet? A thousand miles. Getting close? Yes, very close. Now, it's about time we began preparing for landing. Everybody, onto your couches and strap yourselves yeah, in. sure yeah. them, Jet. Let's hope we don't hit her too hard. Yep, safety straps fastened. Me too. Safety straps okay. Then position your control panels. Number one panel in position. Number two. Number three. Four, okay. Mitch, stabilizer. Stabilizer ready. Contact. Demi, course. Spot on. Dock height? 930 miles. Shock absorbers ready? Yes, yet. Let's hope they stand the concussion. They will. Contact! 910 miles. Still some way to forget. Now, let's all relax. Gravity conditions will return as soon as the motor is cut in. Now Don't let the shock take you by surprise. 900.
2: Blimey! And check it. We've got to land on that
1: one. No, Lemmy. They're the mountains that surround the bay. Where we're landing is much smoother. Uh, better be. Height, 895. Landing area still spot on. 890. Nearly there. Here,
2: yeah, what's that? What's what? Quiet, Lemmy. 880. But uh, I can... I what can is hear. it, Lemmy? 875. Nothing. To, uh, it's the excitement. Lemmy, what's wrong? Uh, nothing.
1: Nothing, I'll tell you. Take that note. 870. Stand by. I'm going to cut in the motor.
2: Landing area spot on. Lemmy, pull yourself
1: together. 865. 860.
2: 855. 850. Contact. Watch the screen for heaven's sake. Eight forty-five, landing area. Okay. 840, 835, 830,
1: Eight forty. Eight thirty-five. Eight thirty. Eight forty-five. Eight 8.25. 8.25. point two five. Height two miles. We're nearly there. Here she comes. Sit. Hold tight. Cut the motor. we're on the moon. Didn't you hear what Jet said? We just landed on the moon. Doc, Lemmy! I heard him.
0: Yeah, so did I.
1: Doesn't that mean anything to you? By well, the way you're carrying on, he might have just a- announced your death sentence. Maybe he has. What's up, Doc? And Lemmy, what's worrying you? Nothing. Now out with it, Lemmy. You didn't hear that music again, did you? Leave me alone. do you keep getting at me all the time? You did hear it, or, or at least you think you did. Am I right? Am I? Leave him alone, Mitch. In a minute you'll be saying you heard that darn music, too.
0: I'm not so sure that I didn't. What? You, Doc? I can't explain it, but just before the motor was switched on, I began to feel very strange. A sense of foreboding. With landing only a few minutes away, how else would you feel? No, it wasn't that. I didn't exactly hear anything, but... Now you're both beginning to imagine things. Mitch, it was not imagination. Well,
1: look, let's forget it for now. We've got work to do and little time in which to do it. Now, get up and we'll start. Oh, yes, well, of, of course. we
2: put our magnetized boots on?
1: Uh, no, Lemmy, we won't need those till we return. Now, uh, switch on the main teleview and we'll see what it looks like outside.
2: Tell you, dear, Rob. Can't
1: see a thing. Rotate the camera full circle. Camera rotate Well, still nothing. If anything, that screen's getting darker. No sign of a picture. The camera's pointing towards the night side of the moon. The sun's hardly rising yet. We, we can't expect anything on the screen. Not even the stars? Oh, we, we should see those, I must admit. Let's wait a bit. Wait till she's turned 180 degrees and begins to pick up the day side. Here she comes. We're getting brighter. But still no picture. It's like the lens is fogged over. <laughs> what are we worrying about? It's dust. What? Dust? Oh, of course. The moon surface is covered with it. Volcanic ash, meteoric dust. The blast from our motor when we landed must have caused a regular dust storm. <laughs> we came down right in the middle of it. We won't see a thing. let settle again. Oh, <laughs> you know, for a minute it had me scared. I thought the televiewer had packed in like the radio did. Me too. Well, while we're waiting, we'll get ready to go outside. Yeah, sure. And Aye. Not, Aye. not you, Lemmy. I? Somebody has to stay behind. We can't all go outside at once. Oh, for a minute, I thought... Oh, don't worry. Next time out, somebody else will take a turn of staying behind. Well, that's fair enough. Now, call up control. Yes, sir. Mitch, Doc, get your suits on.
2: Yeah, sure, Peter. Hello, Earth. Rocket ship Luna calling control. Come in,
1: please. Hello, Luna. Earth calling. Go ahead. Stand by. I've got him, Jet. Hello. Hello, Earth. This is Jet Morgan. You can tell the world that rocket ship Luna has landed. She touched down in the Bay of Rainbows less than five minutes ago. No need to tell them, Jet. We just
2: heard you announcing. Every major city on Earth is hooked up to
1: your ship via radio. No, I mean, I'll be careful what you say, Jet. The whole world is listening. How was the landing? Fine. Came off beautifully. We hit the target area right smack in the middle. A bit cramped, but otherwise very comfortable. It's almost time for us to go outside. I'll arrange for our personal radios to be fed into the ship's transmitter so you'll be able to hear us talking. And now, if you'll excuse me.
2: Certainly. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was the voice of Jet Morgan, captain of the first spaceship ever to land on the moon. As you heard, he and two other members of his crew are present preparing to go
0: outside. Hello, Earth, can you
1: hear us? Yes, Lerner? We're in the airlock now, and the door is opening. In just a few seconds, we'll have our first close look at the moon's surface. And there it is! Good heavens! How does it strike you, Jim? Any different from what you expected? No, not really, but it's so difficult to believe we're actually here. It's, It's so bleak. Not a tree, a blade of grass, nothing. And the sky is black, an inky black. The barrenness is hard to believe. Not the slightest sign of life anywhere. Nothing but the rocks and dust glaring in the sun, and deep black shadows which are sharper and harder than any seen on Earth. It's almost a, a, a monochromatic world, like an old-fashioned sepia photograph. Can you see the air? No, we won't see it until we've left the ship and have climbed down onto the moon's surface. Uh, put out the ladder, let me. We'll go down now.
2: Ladder. Contact. How's that?
1: Thanks, Doc. I won't forget this. I feel so light, and I want to let go and float down. No, no, Mitch. Don't take any risks. Take it easy. Well, I made it. How's it feel? Fine, except that I'm ankle-deep in dust. and Hey, be careful how you walk. I don't think there's a really flat spot anywhere. Down you go, Doc. I can see the Earth now, Jet. Come on, come and look. <laughs> Give us a chance to get down first. It, it's so easy to walk. Everything seems so light. Hello, Earth. We can see you now. A great... All in the sky, about, oh, four times the size that the moon looks
0: from the Earth. And like the moon, the Earth is passing through a phase. Less than half of it's illuminated. Can you make out the seas and the continents? Africa and
1: Europe are facing us now. Most of northwest Europe appears to be covered in cloud. But the British Isles seems to be enjoying a spell of good weather. We can just make out the outline. The colors on the...
2: Congratulations, Captain Morgan, to you and your crew
1: on your wonderful achievement. Thank you. Hearing you talk to us and seeing the part of the world where you are situated looking so minute gives us a, a, a dreadful feeling of isolation, of utter loneliness. Then there is absolutely no life on the moon? Not that we found as yet. How's <laughs> London?
2: You'd hardly recognize it. Traffic is virtually at a standstill.
1: I never thought we'd stop the roar of London's traffic, not from a quarter of a million miles' distance. Well, you have, Jet. The
2: whole United Kingdom is with you up there. The telephone lines are jammed with callers trying to book seats for the next trip. What are the chances of that, Jet? How long before there'll be a regular passenger service to the moon?
1: Well, Mitch is more qualified to answer that question than me. What do you think, Mitch? Oh, not for a long time. We'd have to make the moon habitable first, and it's anything but that right now.
2: Is that the ultimate aim of this trip? To make the moon habitable for human beings?
1: Well, in so much as a spaceway station on the moon will help us reach the other planets, yes. But it will be no more than a stepping-off point to Mars or Venus. Colonization of the moon will be the task of our children or, or our grandchildren.
2: Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. I hope anybody else who was thinking of telephoning us took that in. Well, before you leave us, would you mind like telling us exactly what your work on the moon will entail?
1: We'll be taking lots of photographs of the Earth, the Sun, the sky, and the moon's surface. We'll also explore as much as possible of the terrain, at least to the limit of our visible horizon, which is about two miles. Even that is probably more than we can manage in one day.
2: One day? Is that all the time you'll be spending up there?
1: One lunar day. That's equivalent to two weeks back home. We plan to return to Earth just before lunar nightfall. I see. Well,
2: we have lots of messages here for you from all over the world. Can you take them? I'll take them, Jet, while I'm sitting in here. Might be one from Becky.
1: All right, let me go ahead. Disconnect us from the main transmitter, but keep the intercom open.
2: Intercom, over. Test, please.
1: Hello, one, two, three, four... Okay.
2: And if you see any dragons, give a yell. I'll hear you. I won't be able to help you, but I'll hear you. Hello Earth. Ready to take your messages. Over.
0: It is now three Earth days since we landed on the moon. Everything is going well. At the moment, Jet, Mitch, and Lemmy are digging out specimens of lunar soil to take back home with us. Up to now, we have found no evidence whatsoever that there is, or ever has been, any kind of life on the moon. It is a completely dead world. Time you went back, Mitch,
1: and let Doc come out. Okay, Jet? Lemmy and I'll wait here. When he gets out, we'll continue towards the little
0: crater a couple of hundred yards ahead. Right. Periodically the voices of Mitch, Lemmy, and Jet come over the intercom as they talk to each other through their personal radios. Every word they say is recorded, for the construction of the spacesuits does not permit the wearers to write their observations. Lemmy is in high spirits. A few hours ago, he discovered that the low gravitational pull on this dead world allows him to jump fantastic heights. He cleared over now. Thanks, Doc. Hatch opening.
1: Thank goodness for a breath of cool air. Anything to report? No. What have you been doing with yourself? Oh, keeping up my diary. Maybe you should put your mind on modifying these spacesuits. Huh? Find some way of getting rid of the moisture. I'm ankle-deep in
0: perspiration. Nothing much I can do about it now, Mitch. It'll have to wait till we get back home.
1: Well, get down into the torture chamber and I'll let you out. Yeah, okay. Jet and
0: Lemmy are waiting for you
1: 200 yards north of the crater. Here comes the dock now, Jet. Hello, doc. Ready for another digging session? Oh, is that what it's going to be? We'll take a few photographs of the crater first. Uh-huh. And then if we can, climb down into it and see what the floor's made on. Right. Now, Doc, can you manage the surveying tackle? <laughs> oh, I can up here. Back on Earth, it would take three men my size just to lift it. Now, let's get going. We'll spend a couple of hours there and then go back to the ship for a
2: meal. Oh, I... Hey. Hey, listen. Wait a minute.
1: What is it, Lemmy? The music. It's here again. Yes, steady, Lemmy. Oh gracious. What is it, Jet? I don't know. S- stand still listen. You can hear it? I'm not sure it... I can't exactly hear it. It was like... Well, I don't know how to explain it.
2: Wasn't exactly like last time. Not so loud. But just as creepy, scares me stiff. Did you hear it, Doc?
0: Yes, Lemmy, I did, and it... Get the crater. Look, quick. What is it, Doc? Something moved in there, I swear it did. Something moved? Yes. Impossible. I only caught a glimpse of it, but it was
1: there, I tell you. Wait here. I'll go and look. No, but, Jet- There is nothing on the moon that can move of its own free will. Then why can't we all go? No, Lemmy. You and Doc wait here. If it's all right, I'll tell you. Then you can come on. Hello?
2: Hello? What's the trouble?
0: I wish we knew, Mitch. We heard that noise again. Not just Lemmy. This time all three of us. Did you hear it?
1: Are you sure you did?
0: Of course I'm sure. And on top of that, I saw something move in the
1: crater. Ridiculous. I tell you, I saw it. Jet's hands has Hey, Jet- hey, hey with... Doc! What?
2: Where's Jet? A second ago, he was standing on that crater's rim. Now he's not. He must have fallen in. Hello, oh, Jed. Jet, Doc calling. Can you hear me? Jet!
0: Yeah.
2: He doesn't answer. Let's get over there. Oh, he must have hurt himself quick. If he's punctured his
0: suit, he's as good as done for. Now, can you see him, then? He, he must be lying somewhere on the crater floor. No, Doc. There's no sign of him.
2: The crater's empty. <laughs>
0: I've been listening to episode two of Journey into Space with Andrew Foles as Jet Morgan, Alfie Bass as Lemmy, Guy Kingsley Pointer as Doc, and David Williams as Mitch. Other parts were played by John Casabon and Alan Keith. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also composed the music. Journey into Space was written and produced for the BBC by Charles Chilton.